Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As Vicar stated at the start of the, of the service today, our new sermon series is focusing on these visitations that are being made leading up to the Christmas season. So as we study these visitations through Advent, we want to find uh, both a deeper dive into why God had them happen and then to find the encouragement for us today as well. All right, I have a question for you this morning. Might be a little personal. I'll apologize in advance. How many of you right now would say that your place, your house, where you're living is suitable to have visitors come over right after the service today? Go ahead and raise your hand if your place is right. Look at we have a few. That's excellent. Some maybe, kind of, give me 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Notice I didn't raise my hand. There's some preparations that we make, right, when people are coming to visit and busy schedules and some of you have young children. It sure makes for keeping a place neat. Maybe it's just the studies that you've had to do this week have just let the clothes pile up and the dishes in the sink and you got a little work to do, right? I don't know if you can relate to any of those on the board. I certainly can. I particularly like the one in the upper right-hand corner. Cleaning with kids in the house is like brushing your teeth while eating Oreos. Yeah, just kind of how it is, right? It's hard to keep a house clean. You need that little extra time when visitors are coming over. It's interesting to note that this visitation of Gabriel to Zechariah, there was no preparation. One minute Zechariah is carrying out his priestly duties, the next there's an angel standing next to him and yet the angel brings a message of great joy for Zechariah. As we take a look, a deeper look at this visit today and see the angel Gabriel visiting Zechariah, let's note a couple of things. First of all, how God redirects our doubts. Certainly Zechariah had those. But then secondly, how God delivers what he promises. As Vicar read that text from Luke chapter 1, we are introduced to a man by the name of Zechariah. We're simply told that he is from Aaron's family, from Abijah who is one of Aaron's grandsons. Twenty grandsons, the Bible tells us, Aaron had in all. And all of those grandsons of Aaron were in the priesthood for the people of Israel. That's what the Levites did. And as a Levite, Zechariah was one of those who was responsible for the things that happened in and around the temple and the worship life of God's people. Nobody knows for sure how many, but, but estimates uh, that Bible scholars give make it seem as if there could have been as many as 20,000 of Aaron's descendants who would rotate through these responsibilities at the temple at the time of Jesus. What we find out about Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth is that they're faithful believers. They're people who follow what God says in his word. They're people who are longing for the Messiah to come. But Luke also shares that there has been a little heartache in their life. To this point, God had not permitted them to have any children. Maybe we don't always understand the stigma that was attached to having no children either, but, but Elizabeth actually mentioned it in the text that was read earlier. When she was pregnant, she rejoiced that God had given her that gift because he took away, she said, her disgrace. One more thing that Luke shares with us before the angel Gabriel actually visits. This temple service that happened, a lot was cast and that lot fell to Zechariah. 
Maybe at first glance you think of casting lots and thinks, oh, I think it was all left up to chance. But imagine, first of all, Zechariah's division being chosen and then the lot being cast again and Zechariah being the one of those thousands of priests who could have had to go into the temple that day. This didn't happen by chance. This wasn't an accident. This is God determining what needed to happen for the angel Gabriel's visit to come about. I want to show you, uh, after we read this text, where that service would have happened. Here's, here's how Luke reports it. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. All right, here's a little artist's rendition of Herod's temple in Jesus' day. And I know it's not the easiest to see because that temple was massive. But take a look at this section right here. This is the most holy place. That's where, on a daily basis, morning and evening, one of those priests would go in to offer incense. The altar of incense was right here, right in front of the curtain that separated the most, the most holy place back here from the holy place here. You might remember that, that most holy place, only the high priest would enter and only once a year on the Day of Atonement. So it's right here where the arrow is, where Zechariah would have been standing offering that incense when the angel came to him. The Bible often compares that sacrifice of, or the burning of incense as the prayers of God's people. In Psalm 141, King David says, Let my prayer rise before you as incense. In Revelation chapter 5, it's John who writes that incense are, is like the prayers of God's people. So you might ask yourself, what was it that Zechariah was praying for as he stood at that altar of incense? The Bible doesn't tell us. But what the Bible does tell us is that something even more amazing than being chosen by Lot to stand at that place happened to Zechariah. An angel came to visit him, suddenly appeared. Later on, we find out that that angel's name is Gabriel. How do you picture angels in your own mind? When you, when you hear a story in the Bible that talks about angels, what's the picture that comes to mind? Do you picture white beings with halos and some wings. Maybe you think of It's a Wonderful Life and Clarence comes to mind. Do you know that there's a common thread that runs through Scripture when angels come to visit human beings? Do you know what it is? Fear. That's the first reaction that people have when angels come to visit. And this visit is no exception. We read in the text that Zechariah was gripped with fear. Angels are awesome beings. Awesome beings that represent an awesome and holy God. And when those angels appear and stand in front of human beings, human beings become very aware of their unholiness. The angel, Gabriel, had to remind Zechariah to not be afraid, that, that he was there for a good purpose. And then he says words that must have been beautiful to Zechariah. Your prayer has been answered. You're going to have a son. But they weren't beautiful right away, were they? Zechariah doubted. He thought to himself, well, I'm old and, and my wife is barren and, and this isn't possible. This can't happen. 
And you know the aftermath of that too. When Gabriel tells him that he's not going to be able to speak until after his son John, John the Baptist, is born. But that doubt certainly came quickly to Zechariah's mind. So I thought about that for you and me. Maybe at first glance we say, Zechariah, there's an angel standing next to you. How can you doubt what he's saying? And maybe we might even think to ourselves, I, I, I would listen to whatever an angel told me. But would we? Don't doubts enter our hearts and our minds rapidly as well? Just think about the last couple of weeks and things that have gone on in our world, in our country, close to home. A parade tragedy in Waukesha, a school shooting in Michigan, and now the Omicron virus, right? The variant of COVID-19 that's causing another panic. Do you find yourself asking questions like this? What's going on, God? Why aren't you taking care of these things? Why aren't you stopping these things from happening? Do you see how quickly doubts come into our minds? And I would love to be able to stand up here this morning and be able to tell you, here's what God is doing. Here's what he's thinking. Here's what his plan is. But you know, the Bible doesn't share those plans with us. And God doesn't owe us an explanation either. But you know what God does say to you? The very same words that Gabriel shared with Zechariah. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I know what I'm doing. I have everything in my hands. I love you with an everlasting love. That's how God redirects our doubts. He takes our focus off of the things that make us afraid, the things that frustrate us, and he puts it back on Jesus, the one who came to save us. And we know that Jesus came to save us because God himself promised that he would do so. Listen to the promise that the angel Gabriel gave to Zechariah about his son. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There are no limits to what God can accomplish. Think back to the Old Testament. There Abraham was waiting 25 years from age 75 to age 100 for God to give him a son. Sarah, too, was not supposed to have children. And at age 90, God said, you're going to have a child. He does the same thing here for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Though they're past the age of childbearing, God gives them the gift of a son. Their prayer for that son had been answered. This wasn't just a son that would benefit Zechariah and Elizabeth, however. He was going to bring blessings into the lives of many people, particularly the people of Israel, as the one who was going to pave the way for the Savior to come. That son was special. In the text, Luke compares him, the angel Gabriel speaks and compares him to Elijah. 
Elijah, the Old Testament prophet who turned people's hearts back to God, away from the false worship, the worship of false gods, to following the Savior. John would do the exact same thing. He would point to another birth, a birth that was even more important than John's, the birth of the Messiah that was coming into the world. We could say that there were two prayers answered that day as Gabriel came to visit Zechariah at the altar of incense. Prayer number one was that they were going to have a son. But the other prayer was that the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior, was coming into the world and God was ready to bring him. That's what John was called to do. John the Baptist would be the one who prepared people for the coming of the Messiah, who would make straight paths for him, as Isaiah 40 says. In Matthew's gospel, he says very clearly that John the Baptist was the fulfillment of the prophecy that Vicar read earlier. I'll read again verse 3. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's what John was called to do to preach repentance, to remind people that the Savior was coming and to get ready for that coming. Maybe we should ask ourselves this morning, how's our readiness for Jesus coming? And I suppose we could think about Christmas and all of the things that need to be done leading up to the Christmas season, but, but that's not what I'm talking about. How's your readiness for Jesus to come again? to come at the last day? How's your readiness for this world in its present form to no longer exist? Might there be some clutter in our hearts? Might there be some sinful messes that we like to sweep into the corner to try and keep out of the way? See, the message of repentance that comes from John is good for us to hear too. It's a good reminder that we can't stand before God on our own either. We need the Messiah that's coming. How easy it is for us to lose sight of what's truly important in this life. How easy it is to focus on the here and now and forget about what is yet to come. It's John's reminder. The reminder of Gabriel is for you and it's for me as well. God wants to use this visit, the visit of Gabriel to Zechariah to remind us that Jesus is coming, to turn our hearts back to the Lord again and again. See, that, that's what Advent is all about. It's about, about understanding that, yes, Jesus is coming, but not just as a baby in Bethlehem. He's coming again as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And God wants us to be ready. So how? How do you clean your heart? How do you prepare for this visit of Jesus to return? You're already prepared. You're prepared through the faith that God has given you to trust in his son as your savior. You're prepared for Jesus to come because he's created in you a clean heart through the blood that he shed on the cross. You see, Advent gives us a chance to focus on that joy, the joy of salvation, that the baby in Bethlehem grew up to become the savior of the world, exactly what God promised and exactly what God delivered. With Elizabeth and Zechariah at the birth of John, we rejoice to celebrate another Christmas, but to celebrate that Jesus is coming again to take us home. 
Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, only Jesus can dispel the, the doubts that enter our hearts. We know how quickly they come. Jesus simply wants us to focus on him. When those doubts, when those fears in this life come, remember who you have on your side, your Savior Jesus. Number two, Jesus is the answer to prayers and the fulfillment of God's promises. God promised to send Jesus once and he came. And God promises that Jesus is coming again and he is. Number three, God prepares us for Jesus coming through the message of his word. That's how God has given you the clean heart that he desires because faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Maybe you've had a chance in your lifetime once upon a time to witness a police escort, a motorcade of some sort. Maybe you got to see a president or a high-ranking politician come to town and you've seen the cars and the police guiding them. Or maybe, this probably doesn't apply to students because you don't arrive until the middle of the first quarter, but maybe you've gotten to see that the Badger football team gets a police escort to Camp Randall Stadium when they play at home on Saturdays. It's kind of a cool thing to hear all the sirens going and you know something special is coming. That's John the Baptist. That's what Advent is all about. A reminder that something special is coming. Yes, it's a reminder that something special already came that first Christmas, but it's a reminder that something special is coming when Jesus comes again. He's taking us home. Home to be with him forever in heaven. And that won't be just a mere visit. That's forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.